Well, hello everybody. Good morning. How y'all doing? Happy Father's Day to everybody. That well, not not Happy Father's Day to everybody. Happy Father's Day to the fathers. Okay, and so uh, of course we wish all the dads out there a Happy Father's Day. And um, you know, not just to the dads, but you know, uh, you know, a lot of times step parents get overlooked. Uh, on, on Father's Day and Mother's Day. So, you know, I've, lot, I've met a lot of step-parents that are far better parents than the natural parents. Yes. You know, it doesn't take much to be a natural parent, really, just uh, biologically, you know. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. There's more to being a dad than just having a sex act. Is that right? Yes. Huh? And, and so I've met a lot of step-parents who have been far better parents than the natural you know, biological parents. You understand what I'm trying to say? So, so let's honor all the dads, the, the biological dads and, the, and the, step, the step parents. Let's honor them all. What do you say? So anyway, so, so happy Father's Day. Hey, I'm doing a series on, uh, on uh, lessons from the kings. And uh, last week we finished up David. And uh, so today... I want to cover King Solomon, who was, of course, the son of King David and, and Bathsheba. And, uh, of course, we talked about David and Bathsheba last week. Some wonderful lessons there that we learned uh, from David and Bathsheba and so forth. But now let's talk about their son, King Solomon. Remember, uh, David and Bathsheba, uh, some bad things happened between them, but... Something good came out of it. Ultimately, God worked something good and Solomon came, King Solomon. And, uh, of course, so he becomes king after, after David, uh, after David goes, goes, uh, you know, to be with the Lord and so forth. And, uh, one of the first things Solomon did as king was to go to Gibeon to offer sacrifices to the Lord. And God appeared to, to him early on in his kingship in his reign, appeared to him at night in a dream and asked him a question. And and, and, a great question. God asked him, he said, uh, what shall I give you? What shall I give you? I mean, this is better than the genie saying, I'll give you three wishes, right? You know, and and one of the wishes can't be for more wishes, right? But this is about how many of you know this is a better deal than I dream a genie and Barbara Eden giving you some wishes. Is that right? Right, you know who Barbara Eden is, don't you? I mean, we're talking God here. We're talking God, Almighty God, saying, what can I give you? I mean, you know, the list could be endless. But, uh, but let's see what Solomon said here. 1 Kings 3, verse 9. 1 Kings 3, verse 9. Therefore, here's what he answers. God says, what shall I give you? And he says, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil, uh, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? See, he was wanting wisdom and understanding to take, to take care of God's people. I, I wonder how many people would have really asked for that. Yeah. You know, I mean, what a, what a, what a very humble request. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you've asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, 
nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your word. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. Think about that. So that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall any like you arise after. Think about that. Wisdom. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor. See, so many people going after the riches and honor instead of the humility and the wisdom and understanding. So we we should learn a lesson here. Let's humble ourselves And be sure that we're centering in on the right things. Ask for the right things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things, riches and honor and all of that will be added to us. And that's what happened right here to Solomon. He asked for the right thing. He asked for an understanding heart and for wisdom, supernatural godly wisdom. And so God gave him that. But then God also gave him... Um, uh, what he did not ask for, riches, honor, so that there will be nobody as wise as him ever again. Think about that. Only one which would top him would would be Jesus, you know. You understand that. But God was talking from the standpoint of a a human being, you know, completely. Now, Jesus was a human being. You understand that. But he was also God. But you understand that. But but what, what God was talking about here, there will never be another man who has a natural father and a natural mother. See, Jesus didn't have a natural father. He, you understand that? So he, he's God in the flesh. But barring Jesus, there'd never be another human being that would ever live that would have the kind of wisdom that, that Solomon had. Think about that. And, uh, and then with that, he'd also give him riches and honor and so forth. And then notice verse 14. So if you walk in my ways... To keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Think about that. You know, there's things we can do to to add years to our lives, isn't there? You know, honor your father and your mother would be one one thing. Maybe first thing I could think of that may go well with you and, and, and you'd live a long life. Is that right? And there's other things you can do. But anyway, so so God gave him this wise and understanding heart and And so from Solomon, we can learn also some great lessons, and and I could spend years on it, but I'm just going to mention it. It's the book of Proverbs. Have you ever read the book of Proverbs? And so if you want some of the greatest lessons you'll ever learn, study the book of Proverbs. And so if you want to learn a lesson from Solomon, you've got a lifetime study right there in the book of Proverbs. But you know, of all the Proverbs... There's probably uh, uh, two passages that I, I just want to point out to you that are my favorite, that I think are, are the key to everything else in the Proverbs and the key to, key to being successful in life. Uh, and really just kind of sums up what we just read about this wise and understanding heart. Proverbs 4, verse 7, Proverbs 4, verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom... And, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Now, you know, uh, you, you know, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Did you know that? Yes. You, you know, knowledge is wonderful and, and good, but wisdom is, so, I mean, you need knowledge, but there's a difference. And the difference is knowledge is knowing a bunch of facts and figures and so forth. But wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. 
And if you're not applying knowledge properly, you can get into some trouble. Did you know that? So wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. Uh, you know, in the United States, there's a lot of knowledge. You know that. I mean, we've got more knowledge now than we've ever had. But I think we're lacking in wisdom, aren't we? In fact, I don't only think so, I know so. Right? Because, because uh, just because you have a lot of knowledge, I mean, this nation has so much knowledge, but we're, we're in a mess, aren't we? Because of a lack of wisdom, see. So, um, so, so wisdom is the principal thing. Uh, therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. I mean, so important. It's so important to understand things. And, and I mean, just in daily life, no matter what you're doing, you need to understand what it is you're doing. I mean, you can get into so much trouble if you don't understand what's going on. Right? I mean, you know, in many, in, in every area, in every area of life. Wisdom, understanding, it's so important. And then it says right here, verse 8, exalt her. What's exalt what? Wisdom and understanding. And she will promote you. See, so many people go after the promotion and never get it. But go after the wisdom and the understanding. And then and then if you exalt wisdom and understanding, eventually the promotion will come. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. Embrace who? Wisdom and understanding. Yeah. She will place uh, on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. She will deliver to you. Hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life will be many. So, you know, wisdom and understanding. Very important. Very important. And then Proverbs 9 verse 10. Proverbs 9 verse 10 uh, is one of my other uh, favorite Proverbs. And it's just it just kind of goes right in line with what we just read. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So where do you start with getting wisdom? Fear the Lord. Now, uh, 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 that means to have a reverent reverence of him and a respect of him and an awe of him. Uh, and, and there, you know, there needs to be a fear of God before our eyes. You know, a nation gets in trouble, a people gets in trouble when there's no fear of God before their eyes. You know, the Bible talks about the goodness and the severity of God. And, and, and you know what? You know, if you, you, if you emphasize the severity of God, you can get an unhealthy view of God. That you think he's an old meanie and he just wants to whap you over the head all the time. And, and, and I think for many years in this nation... There was an unhealthy fear of God, you know. He was an old meanie sitting up on the throne wanting to just beat people over the head. But in these last many decades, the goodness of God has been preached. And thank God for preaching the goodness of God. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. I understand that. But you could, if, if you preach the goodness of God and you never... You see, you have to mix the goodness and the severity. And if you just preach the goodness of God all the time and you never preach the severity side of God and you never preach the judgmental side of God, there is a judgmental side of God. There is a judgmental side to him. But in this nation over the last many decades, the goodness of God has been preached primarily without the severity 
And this nation of the United States has heard so much about the goodness of God without the severity that it's lost a healthy fear of God. And when you don't have a healthy fear of God, guess what? You don't have wisdom because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and, and you know, we talk about a reverential respect of God and we should have that. But, you know, I'll just tell you the truth. There's a part of me that I'm afraid of him. (gasps) You're afraid of God? Yeah, I'm afraid of God. There's a part of me that's afraid of him. And I think it's a healthy thing. A lot of preachers will tell you that it isn't. But I'm telling you that, that, that he's God. Do you realize who we're dealing with? The creator of everything. He's almighty God. And he wants to bless you. He wants to help you. But but there needs to be we need to understand that that, that there needs to be a, a, a I mean, we, we need to fear him. If we do wrong, we need to be afraid that we there needs to be a fear in our life. You see, if we don't think there's ever going to be any repercussions for our actions and we can just sin and sin and sin and get away with it. I mean, that, that's what's going on in this nation right now. There's no fear of God before our eyes because there's so, been so much goodness of God preached without the severity that we think we can live any way we want and just get away with it. Amen. And you've got looseness and lackadaisicalness in so many churches because there, there's discipline is never talked about. It's all just pie in the sky. The grass is green. The sky is blue. Everything's wonderful all the time. Listen, I believe in the goodness of God. I preach the goodness of God. I emphasize the goodness of God. It should be emphasized. But we must also understand there is a severity side to him. And if you don't understand that, you don't realize that you don't keep a healthy fear of God within you. And, a, and a, I don't mean we need to go around always afraid that if we make a wrong move, he's going to whap us over the head. No, he's a great, gracious, heavenly father. Can you say amen to that? But but but, you know, there needs to be some kind of a reverential fear about us, because if we don't have it, then we don't get the wisdom of God. And then nothing goes right for us. You understand that? I know uh, I was playing with a, when I was about five years old, I was playing with a, these two other little girls in a swimming pool, one of those plastic swimming pools, you know. And by the way, don't ever put one of those plastic swimming pools on your grass. It'll kill your grass. Just a little, little, little botany here for you today. But, I, but I, I love my mama. She wouldn't hurt me for anything. But I pushed this little girl down. And, and next thing you know, she, mama came flying out of the house. And with a fly swatter. And she gave me the lesson of the fly swatter. And I tell you what, she taught me never push a little girl down or pick on a, on a girl. You understand that? So, see, I, there was a severe side of her in that, in that way. She's a great mom, but you understand what I'm saying? And uh, so, so we need a good, healthy fear of the Lord. The Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about a people who have no fear of God before their eyes and they go off into just sinful living. You understand that? And you don't only see it in the nation, you see it in so many churches. Yes, God is good and we must preach that and emphasize that. But there is a severe side of him. And if you don't have that, you won't have wisdom. And because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One, look at this, is understanding. So how can you get, uh, how can you get wisdom? Fear the Lord. Have a good, healthy fear of him in the right way. You understand. And then how do you get, how do you get understanding? Uh, well, understanding comes through the knowledge of the Holy One, through knowledge of God, through study of His Word, you see. 
So if you want, again, if you want wisdom, fear the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. If you want, if you want understanding, then study the word of God, obtain knowledge about God and you'll get understanding. And so living by the Proverbs and by the way, living by the Proverbs uh, will produce wealth. I, I, I taught a series one time. I titled it Prosperity in the Proverbs. And uh, if, if you study and we're talking about lessons from the kings, one of the greatest lessons you can get from Solomon is studying the Proverbs and find out in there uh, if you want to be prosperous, that there is a natural side to it and there's a supernatural side to it. And if you've ever noticed among many, uh, not all, but among many televangelists, they'll just preach the spiritual, supernatural side of it. Tithing, giving, giving money, giving money, giving money, give it, give it, give it, give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. Send me all your money, right? Huh? But if you've ever noticed televangelists will seldom ever talk about getting a good job, working hard, saving money. They're usually always talking about send, send it. If it's not nailed down, send it in, right? Is that right? And not all of them, not all of them, but most of them, right? It's the truth. Yeah. Huh? But you know what? If all you do is the spiritual side and send money in and all that, and that's all you do, and send money into preachers and whatnot, and that's all you do, you're, you're not ever going to prosper. Absolutely not. You can't give your way to prosperity. Absolutely not. That's just one side of it. That's just one part of it. Now, I believe in giving or shall be given unto you again, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I understand that. I understand that you be a tither and the, you know, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Prove me now and this, say the Lord, if I'll not open you to the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, you'll not have room enough to receive. I understand that. You want me to quote some more? I can quote some more. But here's the deal. You need to do all of that, but you also need to do the natural side like work hard. And manual labor is not the name of a Spanish general. <laughs> It means get out and work. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't what? Eat, right? So, so there needs to be work, 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 right? W-O-R-K, work. And then there needs to be saving. You need to save, right? You need to save and you need to have, all, you have, have a budget. That's not a dirty word. Some people think budget's a dirty word, but you ought to have a budget, you know. And you need to have more coming in than what's going out, right? I said you have to have more coming in than what's going out. It's like Elliot Davis. I like Elliot Davis. You paid for it. Remember, he's on Channel 2 and he was interviewing the mayor of uh, Kinsdale or somewhere or another. And she, he said, why are you having all these financial problems? And she said to Elliot, she said, well, we've got more money going out than what's coming in. He said, that'll do it. That'll do it. That'll do it. That'll do it. Absolutely. So you need to, <laughs> so you need to balance the natural and the supernatural sides of things, right? And so you need to be a tither. You need to be a giver. You need to do all of that. Yeah, you know, you, uh, but, but you also need to do the natural things, you know, and work hard and budget and so forth. Can you say amen? All right. Do them both. And I tell you what, like, like one good preacher said, if you get the natural and the supernatural coming together, it'll make a powerful explosive force for God. You see, amen. so you can learn that from the Proverbs, you see. And then another lesson you can learn from Solomon, and I could spend weeks on it. I taught a series on it many years ago. It's on the Song of Solomon, the Song of Solomon. It's, it's the great book of romance in the Bible. It talks about romancing a fiancé, romancing a fiancé. I remember when I romanced my wife. Boy, that was a great time in my life. Glory to God. And, and, but, but, and, and then it also not only talks about romancing a fiancé, but it talks about marital love 
and including uh, sexual relations with your spouse. How many of you know sex is a good thing? God created it. He gave it as a wedding present to a husband, to a man and a woman as a husband and a wife, you see. But the Song of Solomon, many lessons we can learn there. So, uh, uh, but let, let's move on here now. Look at Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17, talking about lessons from the kings. And uh, 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 King Solomon here. I want to read Deuteronomy 17. Uh, verses 14 through 20 in the New Living Translation, because, you know, I'm, how many of you know God knows the end from the beginning? He, and, and he'll warn us of things. He'll warn us about things. And he warned and gave a warning to all the kings about some things that they, that, that they, they, they shouldn't do. And, uh, and, and Solomon, maybe more than any of the other kings, perhaps as much as or more than any of the other kings, violated Everything God told him to do. Now, you think about a man of great wisdom. But, but let's just read this and we'll talk about it. Deuteronomy 17, verse 14. New Living Translation. He, now, this was long before Solomon came along. Before the kingship ever came on the scene. Remember, the kingship was never the perfect will of God anyway. We talked about that. Permissive will with the kings. But he said, you are about to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you. So this goes back to Moses and so forth. You know, before they went into the land and so forth. When you take it over and settle there, uh, you may think we should select a king to rule over us like the other nations around us. Well, God knew that before they ever got there. And he's warning them. He said, if this happens, be sure to select as king the man the Lord your God chooses. You must appoint a fellow Israelite. He may not be a foreigner. The king must, now watch this, the king must not build up a large stable of horses for himself. Now we're going to see Solomon goofed up on that one. Or send his people to Egypt to buy horses. For the Lord has told you, you must never return to Egypt. We're going to see messed up on that one. All right. The king must not take many wives for himself. And he messed up on that one. Big time. Because they will turn his heart away from the Lord. Watch that. Why? Because they'll turn his heart away from the Lord. And he must not accumulate large amounts of wealth in silver and gold for himself. <laughs> he messed up on them. <laughs> I mean, strike one. What is it? Baseball, three strikes, you're out. Solomon, he struck out. He's, he's, working on the next, he's working on the next batter, isn't he? I mean, he's got like five strikes, right? He struck out a couple of times. Verse 18, now watch this, he's not, he's not done striking out yet. When he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself, and we all ought to learn from this. When he sits on the throne as king, he must, not co he, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of, of the, Le the, Le the Levitical priest. He must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. Well, Boy, I tell you what, that's worth coming to church just to get that. Keep that Bible in front of you. Is that right? That that way uh, that way he will learn to fear to what to fear the Lord, his God, by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular, regular reading. Wow. Look at that. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as uh, if he is above his fellow citizens. Think about that. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way, even in the smallest way. 
And it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel. And God told them that many years, many long time before the kings came along. Think about that. Now keep that in mind as we go on with Solomon. So as he goes along, God appeared to him there, you know, in Gibeon. We already talked about that. Now something else you need to keep your eye on here. God's appearing to him, you know, in a, in a dream at night. How many of you would like God to appear to you? I mean, I mean, would you? Yeah. Would you? What do you think? Would you? Yes. You, you think so? Yeah. I think it'd be pretty cool. You know, I mean, he appeared, he appeared, uh, when he appeared to John, asked John, uh, about a piece of that action. Remember? He heard behind him a sound as of many waters, a trumpet. He turned around, looked at it. He didn't stay standing, did he? He he went down under the power, didn't he? Absolutely. If the Lord was standing behind you, do you think you could turn around and look? It's something to think about. Did you ever think what you'd ask the Lord if he appeared to you? And ask, huh? What? Forgive me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm convinced we probably wouldn't ask him what we think we'd ask him if he was really there. You know what you'd ask him? You'd ask him what's on your heart. That's what'd come out. But anyway, that's that's something else. I don't want to get off here. So anyway, but think about he appeared to Solomon. He's going to appear to him a couple of times. Do you think if God appeared to you and told you specifically what to do, what not to do, you think you'd mess up you, or do you think you'd follow exactly what he said do? I mean, you think, though, if God appeared to you and told you what to do, what not to do, you'd just follow it right to a T, wouldn't you? Huh? You, you think that, wouldn't you? I mean, you think if Jesus came to your to your area and performed mighty healings and miracles that, that everybody would believe, wouldn't you? But they didn't, did they? Huh? Did they? Where, he'd been, where Jesus did most of his mighty works, they didn't believe. Is that right? I mean, if you saw somebody raise up the staff and part the Red Sea, you know, and, and bring down the quail and the manna and all of that and the, the plagues and everything that came, uh, you, you think you'd, you'd follow that man, I'm talking Moses, the rest of your life, wouldn't you, as he followed God? You'd think that, wouldn't you? But you know the people didn't do it, did they? And they, and, and they, they wanted to get rid of him, didn't they? Isn't that something? Isn't that something? What people, you, what you, we think we do, but then we wouldn't do it, you know? It's something, ain't it? So anyway, so, so, uh, so he builds the temple in the process of time. See, David wanted to build the temple, but because he was a man of war, God wouldn't let him do it. But David did accumulate much of the, of the, the goods and whatnot, and the materials to build the temple, and then Solomon built the temple, okay? And then look at this in 1 Kings 9. Look, look at 1 Kings 9. I'm going to read some verses here. How many of you know it's a good thing to read Bible verses in church? Is that, yes. it's a good, is, it's a good, is that a good thing? Yes. Uh, that's a good thing. Uh, how many of you would rather have some Bible verses and some jokes? And, and, uh, huh? How many of you know the jokes won't, won't run the devil off when he's knocking on your door at, at midnight? Is that right? Yes. But the Bible will, right? Yes. Okay, that's why I talk to Bible, teach the Bible around here. For We like to read Bible verses. All right, 1 Kings 9, verse 1. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord, the temple... And the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to him a second time. 
And he appeared to him as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now, if you walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded you. And if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. As I promised David, your father, saying you will uh, not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, with I, which I've set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. Oh, I under, underline that. Then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them. And this house, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. You know, just just because you were right with God at one time. I, I mean, I mean, you got to stay right with God. I said, you got to stay right with God. And there's a lot of people think errantly so that you get right with God at one point. Then, then well, I was right with him, you know, and, 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 I, and I received him. But now I can just, you know, just live however I want. That's not in line with the Bible, is it? No. It just isn't. Unfortunately, that gets preached a lot, but that, that's not in line with the Bible. We got to stay with him and stick with him. Is that right? Yeah. Huh? It's, not, it's not just enough to just just stay with him one time or for one week. I mean, we got to stay with him and stick with him. And what's he telling them here? If you don't stick with me, I don't care if you are Israel. I'm going to cast you out. Oh, but he had a covenant with Abraham. Yeah, but if you don't stick with him, he's going to cast you out. Oh, but the United States, they had a covenant with the, the founding fathers had a covenant with God. And so we now, decades and generations later, can act however we want. And we're going to be OK because George Washington had a covenant with God. Well, there's an element of truth in that, but I'll tell you what, if we don't stick with God, we've got to look at judgment. Is that right? Absolutely the truth. Absolutely the truth. And I understand some things about covenant. I do. But I tell you what, we can't just live like a bunch of heathens because George Washington had a covenant with uh, with God or or, or whoever else any of those founding fathers, you know, can you say amen? amen? But that's been errantly taught in the last couple of years, you know. Said, if you don't live right, I'm going to cast you out. Did you just read that in your Bible? Yes. He's talking to Israel here. He said, Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house, which is exalted, everyone who passes by, it will be astonished and will hiss. Think about hissing. Have you ever hissed? <laughs> Let's don't do that and say, why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? Well, I can answer that because they stopped serving him. Then they will answer because, well, there it is. Then they will answer because they forsook the Lord, their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt. They see they forsook. They forsook the Lord, their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have and have embraced other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought. All this calamity on them. Think about that. But we need to stay with him and what? Stick with him. Amen. Be careful about letting anything get become more important to you than the Lord. I mean, you may, you may not put up a golden calf in your house and bow down to it. But I tell you what, other things can creep in unawares and you not realize that things have become more important to you than the Lord. Just keep a watchful eye on yourself.
So God appears to Solomon twice. And he's got all this going for him. And we read earlier that he at, when God said, what, 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 what do you want? He, 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 he gave the right answer. And God prospered him and blessed him and so many warnings. I mean, when God warns us and warns us, I mean, we ought, that ought to get our attention because we might be ready to mess up. You know, we need to really be on guard. But watch what happens to Solomon in his old age. As he gets older, we all need to be watchful of this. I see this again and again in, 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 in many of the kings. Maybe not all of them, but many of them. You serve God when you're young, but as you get older, you got to watch that heart becoming hardened. You got to watch that heart becoming prideful. You got to be careful when, 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 when you're young and you need God. Uh, you know, to meet your needs and then he meets your needs and prospers you and then you forget him. You got to watch that you don't forget him. There's a lesson to be learned as we get older. We need to stay soft of heart. And remember, it's God who got us where we are. And let's don't forget him. And let's don't ever get our eyes off of him and look at the silver and the gold. Is that right? In the bank account and so forth. Is that right? Now watch this. First Kings 11 He's going to do some things that just, I mean, unbelievable that a man like this would do these things. But watch this. First Kings 11, verse one. But King Solomon loved many foreign women. As well as the daughter of Pharaoh. Well, he was, they were told not to go to Egypt. Is that right? Yeah. Women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, Hittites. My gosh. <laughs> I mean, from, I mean, he, I mean, he made you Hefter look like a kindergartner, right? You don't know who he is? Well, look, well, don't look him up. He's dead now and probably in hell. Unless he repented before he died. From the, now watch this. From the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them. Now listen to me. God has no problem with skin color. Did you know that Moses married a black lady? Did you know that? And God had no problem with that. Now Miriam and Aaron had a problem with it. And God had a problem with Miriam and Aaron because of their bigotry. Right? And I think leprosy came on Miriam as a result of it. And, and, and she didn't like black, so God turned her snow white. Huh? I have no problem with skin color. And God doesn't either. What you have to look at, what God looks at, is heart color. Amen. Did you get what I just said? Yes. What's the condition of your heart? Right. And, and, and watch this here. And uh, you'll not intermarry with them. Why? Nor are they with you. Why? Surely they will turn away your hearts after other gods. And Solomon clung to these in love. And he'd been warned and warned and warned. God appeared to him twice. And he had 700 wives. Princesses and 300 concubines. What did this man do all day? I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, you probably shouldn't talk about this in church, but I mean, my gosh. I mean, he what I mean, 
let's just don't get into that. But I mean, think about it. And he was up in years. And I mean, he's still going strong like the Energizer Bunny. My gosh. <laughs> I mean, my goodness gracious. Now, don't know some people are looking down, looking the other way. I mean, this man's, this man, I mean, what is, I mean, how does he keep going? I don't know, but let's don't, let's just keep it, let's, let's change the subject, right? He had, but you know, like a concubine. <laughs> no, I've never had a concubine. I haven't even had a porcupine, you know what I mean? But, but uh, it's a female, it's a female, it's a female slave or mistress with whom a man was lawfully permitted to have sexual intercourse. So if 700 of them is not enough, he's got 300, he's got 300 more going on. I'm surprised all that didn't kill him right there just physically, wear him out. And by the way, multiple wives was never the will of God. Adam, he made Eve, right? Not Steve, what? Eve, right? How many of you know homosexuality is sin, isn't it? It's right. I won't get off on that, but that's what the Bible teaches. But Adam had what? One wife, right? Eve, and one wife for one husband was always the will of God. Now, now, now he did permit it in, the, in, these, in these days, and I could give you some reasons why, but I'm not going to get into it right now for the sake of time. But it was never the perfect will of God. And, and you go into the New Testament, the Bible talks about spiritual leaders, leaders of the church and so forth. They're supposed to be husbands of one wife, right? Uh, one woman man is what, the, is what a literal translation. So, I mean, I've got one wife. She keeps me busy. I don't want two. I don't want three. I surely don't want any concubines. And my wife said, what? Amen. Could you imagine what my wife would do if I brought a woman in and said, I, she's going to be my concubine? I'd, 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 get, I'd, get, I'd get in trouble. And I should get in trouble. How many of you know Solomon had too much going on, didn't he? Yes, he did. and, 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 you know, somebody said, well, oh, I'd like to have a bunch of wives and concubines. Oh, really? Well, guess what? It's going to turn your heart away from the Lord because it's not the perfect will of God. Can you say amen? amen? I said, can you say amen? amen? And by the way, I can't, you don't want me to have no concubines. Is that right, hon? No way. No way, Jose. Okay, okay. Okay, so, all right, so I'm just teasing around a little bit, but I'm telling you what, this serious matter. Serious matter. It was never the will of God, and all of that, I've already said it, but what did it do? I mean, you know, oh, that'd be great to have all these wives and all these concubines. You know, hey, it turned his heart away from the Lord. It turned his heart away from the Lord. And then look at verse 4. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart, that's why, I mean, when people get, when, when people date, I'm talking Christians. The Bible says not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, right? Yes. When you date somebody, you, you know, I, somebody told me years ago, it's a great, it's a great thing. Don't ever date somebody you wouldn't ultimately consider marrying. When we, when, when we date, when we date, or, 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 or certainly when we get married, you need to marry somebody of like faith. Amen. Somebody that's equally on fire for the Lord as you are. Right. I've watched this in dozens of cases over the years. And I've watched this too, where, uh, you know, a lot of times a man or a woman, they'll put on the religious garb for a while to get the ring on the finger. And once they get the ring on the finger, then they're not as religious as they used to be. Right. 
and they don't want to serve God and so forth and so on. And a lot of times folks will say, well, they'll change after we get married. No, 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 they won't. And so I could preach a messages on that. But what was the deal here that his heart got turned away from the Lord when he was old and he went after other gods and his heart was not loyal. Verse four to the Lord, his God, as was the heart of his father, David, for Solomon went. Now watch this. Solomon, we're talking Solomon. He went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as Father David had did. Think about that. My gosh. Some of these were into, into sacrificing little babies on the altar and burning them. And Solomon's uh, uh, condoning that. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. Solomon's doing this. God appeared to him twice. Why is he doing this? Do you think it's because he didn't keep the law handy and wasn't reading it every day like he was supposed to? Do you think, do you think that was it? Do you think that could have done it? Do you think it's because he disobeyed God and had so many wives that he didn't have time for the word of God? What do you think? I, I think that, that could well be it. And you see these wives turning his heart, pulling him away from the Lord. Right? Because you were talking the wisest man that's ever lived other than the Lord Jesus Christ. The wisest man that's ever lived. Now, if he can goof up, how many of you know we could goof up? It's not enough just to read the word of God once or twice. What did we read? You got to keep it in front of you all the time, regularly, daily. And he did, verse 8, and he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon. Oh, does the Lord get angry? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that was the old covenant. He doesn't get angry in the new covenant. Oh, he does. Too. Yeah, he does. You could get angry and sin not, right? Because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. See, even the Bible pointing it out here. Just because God appears to you doesn't mean you're not going to goof up. And had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Do you see the goodness of God? We're talking about the fear of God, but do you see the goodness of God? God's warning him and warning him and warning him and warning him and warning him to not goof up. That's how good God is. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you've done this and have not kept my covenant, my statutes, which I command you, I'll surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant, which happened in the next generation. Nevertheless, I'll not do it in your days. So you see the goodness of God there. For the sake of your father, David, and you see that God did honor the relationship that he had with the father. So there's truth in that. Certainly, I'll tear it out of the hand of your son. Think about that. We'll see that next week. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I'll give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant, David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. And uh, and so forth and so on. And we'll see that next week. And so we learned some lessons here and I pointed them out just because God appears to you. Doesn't mean that you can't goof up. We learned the lesson of the importance of keeping the word of God before you at all times. Right? Daily basis. We've learned that, that people that we're intertwined with, certainly in marriage, but you know, not just marriage, but I tell you what, you gotta watch who you run with. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yep. 
I mean, you got to watch who you run with. You got to watch who your inner circle of friends are. They can pull you away from the things of God. Do you know that? Absolutely they can. The Bible says bad communication corrupts good character. Right? You know, there's a difference between hanging, you know, going around sinners and, and witnessing the good news of God, uh, the gospel of Jesus. There, uh, there's a difference between, between that and running with him. You know what I'm running with him? Yeah. Right. Doesn't the Bible say come out from among them? Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean. Right. Thing. I'll receive you. You'll be my son, daughter. I'll be your father. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Solomon's in bad shape. Solomon's in bad shape. Somebody said, what if he'd have died in this condition right here? What do you want to, what do you want to paradise or what do you want to hell? Well, I tell you what, I'm going to, I'm not going to get into that right now, but I tell you what, I wouldn't want to die in the, in the position he's in. Would you? And the Holy Ghost said to me one time many years ago, there's a dangerous place to die. I, I, I'm not talking about sinners. We all know that rank sinners, when they die, they go to hell. But what about Christians? What about people that serve God? What about Solomon served God? But he got so far off, oh my goodness, and he's building these altars of these false gods and all of this, this terrible stuff. And he's bound his knee to these false gods. What if he dies in that? Well, I mean, theologian, what, where does he go? I mean, you understand heathens go to hell. You understand that? But what about somebody like Solomon? If he dies in that condition, what happens? Is this scaring you? It ought to scare you. It ought to scare all of us. We need to live right. We need to stay right before the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. And if he'd have died in this state, I, you know, theologians can argue what would have happened if he'd have went to paradise or what would have went to hell. But I tell you what, if there's a dangerous place to die. And I wouldn't want to die in that. I, I wouldn't want to die in that place, would you? You know, they argue about Ananias and Sapphira. Where did they go? Heaven or hell? And I could argue probably either way. But would you want to die lying to the Holy Ghost? No. Huh? No. Even if you did, we're in church when you did it. I wouldn't want to die lying to the Holy Ghost, would you? There's a dangerous place to die. The prodigal son, he was in the pig pen. Thank God he repented and came back to daddy's house. But would you want to die in the pig pen? There's a dangerous place to die. We need some more preaching like this in this land. I'm telling you we do. But you know what? I got some good news as I close. There's the book of Ecclesiastes. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And he wrote that book. You got to watch when you study the book of Ecclesiastes. You got to be real careful when you read that book. Because, yes, it, how do I want to say it? It's, it's got the anointing of God on it. It's in the canon of Scripture. It is inspired and all of that. But some of the things that, that are written in there are written. It's true that they're written. What, 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 what Solomon said is true. But, but when he wrote that, he wrote that from the perspective of a backslidden preacher. And so there's some things you read in there that 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 you got to be real careful with. You just need to realize that when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, okay? Just be real careful. But here in Ecclesiastes, we'll close with this. In Ecclesiastes 1, he says, The words of the preacher, this is written by uh, Solomon, says the, the, the son of David, the king in Jerusalem. So who is that? That's Solomon, right? And then what he says, verse 2, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Means empty. All human achievements that learn these lessons now from him. Here's a man that had it all and wound up in this, in this terrible state with his heart turned from the Lord. But he repents. I'm convinced of it. He says all human achievements are, uh, this is what we take from this. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. All human achievements, these are, these are 
summing up now what this means. In my own words, all human achievements are empty and disappointing when pursued as ends in themselves. The book of Ecclesiastes points out the folly of pursuing selfish goals. One after another, Solomon shows that wisdom, pleasure, hard work, popularity, wealth, and fame all fail to bring lasting satisfaction. Great accomplishments and earthly possessions alone do not bring lasting happiness. Even having the greatest marriage in the world, if you don't have God at the center of it, it'll be empty. I'm going to say this. The greatest sex you could ever have, if it's not with your spouse, that you are M-A-R-R-I-E-D too. Ring on the finger, right? But if God's not in the middle of that, it's empty. By the way, if all you got in a marriage is sex, you 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 ain't got nothing. Amen. Because sex will only hold for a short time. You got to have God right in the center of everything you're doing, or it's going to be vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Can anybody say amen to that? It's the God's honest truth. You have all the money in the world, all the silver, all the gold, the fastest cars, the prettiest house, prettiest wife, the most wonderful children. But if you don't have God in the middle of that, I'm talking about the Father, the Son, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. You don't have him there. You ain't got nothing. Well, you've got something, but you're not going to have peace. Yeah, let me rephrase it. You've got something, but you don't have, you won't, you won't have fulfillment. Can you say Amen. True satisfaction comes from serving God and following His will for your life. In the book of Ecclesiastes, some lessons we learn about seasons. How many of you know, you ever read that? Uh, In Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1, 2, and verse 7, I want to look at those. To everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to keep silent, a time to speak. I mean, there's great lessons in there. How many of you learned there, 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 that, you know, there is a time to keep, have you ever learned there's a time to talk and there's a time to keep your mouth shut? Have you ever learned that? Yeah. <laughs> I've learned that. You know, there's a time to be born. How many of you know there is a time to die? There is a time to die in life. But if you serve God, you can live to be up in years, live into your old age, and you die when you're satisfied and you don't have to die sick. Is that right? Amen. And I could teach hours on that. But I want to call your attention as I'm closing here. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1. And one of the greatest lessons we can learn from Solomon is this. Ecclesiastes 12.1. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say I have no pleasure in them. Now you can tell as well as I do. And I, I'm 57 years old. And I can al- already tell you, you know... Uh, uh, how do I want to say this? I'm, I'm 57. I still go real good. But, you know, I can tell just a little bit. I'm just not as spry as I used to be. You know what I mean by that? Is anybody? Oh, you all don't. You all can't relate to that. Oh, yeah. So you all moving around just like you did when you're 20. Is that right? No. Okay. <laughs> we can't stop the aging process. I think there's some things we can do to age gracefully. But he said, remember your creator in the days of your youth. So when we're young, 
you remember him. Serve God when you're young. Serve him when you're young. Remember him when you're young. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. I'm going to tell you a story. I was, I, 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 years ago, I was a kid. I was about 21, 22 years old. Now listen carefully. I went, uh, I went with a pastor and he and I picked up this uh, fella in a nursing home on the way to church because he couldn't drive. So we went and picked this guy up in a nursing home. And it had been a long time since I'd been in nursing homes. The last time I was in one was with my grandma about 10 years earlier. And so I went with, uh, uh, I went with him and we picked this guy up in this nursing home. I'm about 22 years old. And when I was in that nursing home, I was walking through that nursing home. I hadn't been in one in a long time. And, 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 and I, got, I got angry at the Lord. Don, don't look at me like that. Have you ever got angry at the Lord? What is, why do you, you let all these people in here like this? Why do you have all, why, Lord, why do you, and I'm 22 years old, I got angry, I got just downright mad, I was angry at the Lord. And I was heartbroken and angry because he's allowing all this to go on. And so we drive down to the church and uh, the pastor, there's nobody at the church yet, so this guy he, that we brought, he's, he's out in another area and the pastor's back in his office and I'm standing out in the sanctuary about a third the size of this one. There's a wooden pulpit. And, and I, I was angry at the Lord, but I, I was started crying. And I was bent over the pulpit and, and, I, and I was crying for those people in that nursing home that the Lord would allow that to happen. And I was crying and crying and crying. And I was bent over like this crying. And, 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 and the, you can believe it or not, I, I don't care. The Holy Ghost spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me. First time I'd ever heard his voice like this. It was like somebody standing behind me. And, and I, I spun around like that. There was nobody there. I've learned over the years that's the voice of the Lord. First time he ever spoke to me like that. One other time, the closest to that was some years before coming out of an Ernest Angley crusade. But I won't get into that. But it wasn't like this. And I said, he said this. You can believe it or not. He said... The majority of those people, he didn't say all, are reaping what they've sowed. And then I got this verse. And I've learned over the years, the majority of those people did not serve God in their youth. And if we won't serve God and honor Him, He's not obligated to us. Did you hear me? And it helped me. It wasn't his fault. I said it wasn't his fault. I said it wasn't his fault that those people were in there. Now, he didn't say everybody. I'm going to remember the Lord in my youth. And I'm going to believe God to stay out of one of those places. Can you say amen? Amen. I mean, there's some good ones out there, but I hadn't seen one yet I'd want to live in. How about you? Huh? Any, any takers on that? Now, let, let's close. Ecclesi- I've closed now three times, but we're going to get it this time. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Now, watch this. Look at this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So here's Solomon repenting, in my opinion. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. 
Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. But here's the thing. Solomon, in my opinion, repents at the end. And he says this. He said, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. The man that was the wisest man that ever lived. And he went to the highest of heights. He went to the lowest of lows. He was close with God. He was away from God. And here in a backslidden state, thank God from a backslidden state, you can repent and God will take you back. Can you say amen to that? And he repented and he came back. And here's the conclusion of the whole thing. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is what man needs to do. And I believe he repented. I believe he went to heaven. And I believe he's okay, but I tell you what, I think he missed it, missed hell by, I think, by the hair of his chinny chinchilla, brother. You hear me? Yes. (laughs) Oh, God's good. I tell you what, you repent, he'll take you back if you really do. Amen. Now, look at this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna make an altar call on social media with this verse. Ecclesiastes 12.6. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed. What does that mean? Well, that means before you die. And you know, I studied into this silver cord one time and, and, and I've never got satisfied on it completely. I know what it means. It means remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed. I know what it means. Remember God before you die. But, but there's some who teach that there's, and, and I've never verified it, so I'm just, you can study into it, but some, there's some who teach that there's some sort of a spiritual cord that's silver in color. That, 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 that links the spirit and the body together. Now, I don't know. That's what I, I've studied into it a little bit. And I think there's some truth in it. There must be something to it. I mean, I, 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 I didn't study deep into it because I just didn't want to take the time to do it. But I tell you what I do know, it, it, what it does mean, it, remember your creator before you die. But some say there is some sort of a spiritual cord between your body and your spirit that, that is silver in color and that when you die, that's broken and If you're saved, you go to heaven. If if you're not saved, you go to hell. So before that spiritual cord is loosed and broken, remember your creator. Can you say amen to that? So if you're watching me on social media and you don't know Jesus as your savior, uh, you need to remember him before you die. You really do. The Bible says, remember your creator before you die. So what you need to do is with a repentant heart. What does that mean? Just have a change of heart. Turn from the way you've been living. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and then call on his name. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as my savior. I tell you what, if you call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says you'll be saved. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven and God will make your life worth living in the meantime. God bless you. Happy Father's Day to everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.